Hey everybody, welcome to Wild Ponies, the podcast, episode number two. We're coming to you today, uh, not from East Nashville, we're, we're coming to you from a boat in Amsterdam. <laughs> More specifically, we're coming to you from Botel, which is... The Botel. The Botel. It is a cruise ship, a retired cruise ship turned into a hotel. It's it's fun. It's yeah, it's awesome. So it's here in Amsterdam. I mean, anything in Amsterdam is great. I unapologetically love everything about this city. It is great. To create a city, which is what we're all about. So uh, thanks for tuning in. We've got an episode today that we're pretty excited about. Our friend Stacy Huckabee agreed to talk with us. Who is an extraordinarily creative individual and um, an inspiring person. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to chat with her. She's a photographer. If you're looking at the photo for the podcast, that's a Stacy Huckabee photo. If you look at the tour posters for Wild Ponies, that's a Stacy Huckabee photo. If you look at the tour poster for any Rod Picot stuff, that's a Stacy Huckabee photo. If you look at the Dolly Parton Fall tour poster, that's a Stacy Huckabee photo. She's also a blogger for Huffington Post on a regular basis and a great writer, an amazing writer, and just a fun person to be around. She, yeah, she has so much, so much creative energy. She just kind of buzzes around all the time, quite, quite literally. So she's <laughs> undergone some pretty major transformations in her life recently, and, and we thought it would be interesting to talk to her about those transformations and how uh, those transformations can affect your art and can have you focus on, on what you're doing in a different way. So. So here's that conversation. Here's our conversation with Stacy. What impact, if any, has your physical transformation had on your creativity and your like approach approach to your career? You know, it's funny. I and feel like no, 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 and it's kind of the perfect question to ask because I feel like you asked me this once before, either just personally. I don't think on the I don't think on when I did the radio show, but I think you asked me that personally one time. Um, after the East Nashvilleian article came out, right? And I was like, no, it hasn't. Like, I didn't feel like it had. But really, the last couple of months, like I have sort of been exploring that idea. Do you want to say how much? Weight loss, or do you care? Oh, no, I've lost almost 200 pounds. 200 pounds. Almost. Like, there came a point about three years ago when, like, either I needed to just, like, drive my car off a bridge or turn shit around. Like, I couldn't keep going the way I was going, and I had to change. So I changed everything. I really felt like I was way, way, way behind the eight ball. I didn't really understand, even though that was after I had gone digital, sort of when I restructured myself, it became really important to me to not just make my life better and my relationships better and my home better and my physical self better but also like really my craft it was important to make my craft better so for a long time so i think my ego likes to think that it was because i studied and took the time and really studied and really you know had conversations with clients along the way and listened to feedback from people and tried to learn and tried to look at what if i didn't get a job who did and what they were doing and like really tried to pay attention to what was happening right so that i could be contemporary or be in the same field with my contemporaries i think that at the core of what people are resonating with my images and this is hard to say and i'm glad to say it i don't know this sounds ridiculous, but I'm, I mean it. I don't know that I am necessarily like a brilliant photographer in the aspect of 
I mean, I definitely shoot on manual, and I know my shutter speeds and exposures and compositions, and I mean, I'm aware of all of that stuff. The technical part. But like, technically of it, probably, if I were to submit it to some sort of music, I mean, probably, I don't even know. Like, I haven't even stepped back and looked at my work like that in so long, I have no idea. But I don't know that I'm like a brilliant photographer in that aspect. I think what I am doing and what people are resonating is that I'm, I'm connecting with people. It's something that's happening with that human being that I'm working with. Like I'll put pictures on Facebook of like some singer-songwriter that nobody really knows yeah. even and it'll get like a hundred likes and tons of people will comment on it or whatever. I'm like, I can go out for the po wild ponies photo shoot and shoot the most beautiful picture of that weird beaver lake over in Shelby Park and post it on Facebook and like four people are like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, my, I don't, my work as a photographer, I don't think is what's connecting with people. The thing that's missing from that image is the wild ponies in that shot. You know what I mean? When you aren't in that image, people aren't resonating with that photograph. It's when I put you guys in that same scene that y'all love the photograph and then your fans love the photograph and people use it on the posters and videos asking yeah. about the photograph and like that. It, and I think, it's a really long way to get back to this. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that the more I listen to that kind of feedback and the more I take my ego out of it and sort of accept that maybe it's sort of like my pottery, it's not, it's a little bit wonky and maybe not always aesthetically perfect or the exposure isn't always exactly perfect or the lighting's not always exactly set perfectly or we didn't bring in, you know, $400 worth of hair and makeup or lighting rigs or anything like that. But I think that because I struggled so much with my own self-confidence and self-esteem and self-image that I am so painfully aware of those types of things in other people mm -hmm. or pick up or sense right. them. And so there's something in me that desperately wants to um, shield them from that. That's so fascinating. You know what I mean? And so I feel like in some sort of weird subconscious way, and I'm hoping the fact that I have sort of over the last couple of months tuned into accepting that idea or that concept, I'm hoping it'll even take my work to another level if it's something that I can be aware of. Like if yeah. I really am on a shoot and I consciously like, people don't consciously necessarily even know what it, you know what I mean, what it is. Like, or, or wouldn't necessarily be willing to say like, I don't like my lazy right eye or I have this weird thing. Like, cause you're so self-conscious of it. Totally. You don't want to point it out to anybody, let alone to point it out to a photographer and go, here's this giant thing. I hate it. You may not even Do know. a ton of close-ups. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But if I can start to figure out and tune in, like what is, the, where does their hand always slide to? Like start incorporating a little kind of like, online psychology to it and try to figure out what that thing is maybe I can even take it to a different level where it'll really start popping with something else but I feel like my work has grown and my success has grown and my clientele has grown consistent I mean it all is on the same arc yeah. like it's not like one thing happened and then the other happened like right. I didn't like get hot and then all of a sudden I took better pictures or I didn't take better pictures and then got hot. And like, I mean, none of that, you know what I mean? Like, the hotter I got, the better my pictures got, and the more my clients liked me, and the better my work felt. And I think that all of it was correlated to, A, my confidence, totally. and then also my self-awareness of recognizing that stuff and being really um, aware of it in my shoots.
There's a shoot that Amy and I did that was very sort of rock and roll and on these green walls and purple jacket. And a lot of people don't love those pictures. Amy and I fucking love those pictures and we love them for a different reason. Yes, the album cover and the stuff that she used on this record is, is definitely more Amy while I feel like a different version of her than we've seen in the past. She felt powerful and confident for the first time in her life. And she wanted to, that to say that in some photographs. Right? Yeah. And so we went through her closet and spent two days, I think twice we went through her closet, and put together Heather, all kinds of wacky shit. But we tried everything, like, why don't you have a pair of hot pants? Get a pair of hot pants. And why don't you wear this kick-ass jacket like you have in your closet? Like, why do you wear, why do you have 30 sweaters that would not only fit me, but be too big for me? Like, right. what are you hiding from? But during that shoot, we really did sort of break out of, and we did something specific on that shoot that nobody else in the world may ever be able to understand what we did. But when I, and I, I don't so ever let anybody it. come over here and look at raw files. And I got home that day and was like, I texted her and was like, you gotta come over and look at these. Like straight off of the card. And yeah. she stood at the back of this very living room and just started bawling. She was like, that's me? And I was like, yeah, girl. And that's a raw file. That's you. Right. You know what I mean? And so it touched something in Amy that while, no, it's not really Amy Species we know and love and who walks through this world, and that's why people, I think, know that know her well don't really love those images, but why Amy and I were so powerfully moved by them because it was the first time she was able to look at a photograph and see some hot-ass rock and roll bitch and be like, oh, I can pull that off. Like she doesn't have to now then necessarily move forward and every time she goes out to the family wash wear leopard print stiletto boots and hot pants. Right. But the confidence that she gained in learning that she could own that part of herself and feel comfortable was enough. It's funny, we're talk we've been talking to, to <clears throat> each other and to other musicians a lot lately about um, produce, like what you look for in a producer when you're trying to make a record. Mm -hmm. We've been talking to Nilsson about it a lot and it, the things you're saying are the same qualities that we've kind of figured out like that we want to look for in a producer. And Nielsen Hubbard said it the best, he was in the last podcast. But when we were talking to him, we, we had like a 14 hour ride with Nielsen, he played drums with us on the road. And he was, by the way, I think a great producer. But like he says what he tries to do is he tries to find the good and turn that up. Yeah. It's just, it's just like it's just like that simple. It's like that simple. No, no, like no, just it really is. It's find shit. the good and, and, and do that. I mean, Amplify I also do yeah. try to like, I also do try to push sheet. people past their comfort level a little yeah. bit. Like where if I can get them Same to stop thing. trying so hard to hide whatever that thing is and bugs them. Same thing. And yeah. like even the thing that bugs them and show that in its most flattering light, mm -hmm. that can alleviate their own anxiety. So what, what about, um, because I feel like in the past year and a half to two, two years, and it may be longer than that for you, you've stepped um, in front of the camera a little more. A lot more. <laughs> a lot more. So what, how has that, how does that change or impact your artistic life? I'll tell you what, that has been a really hard transition. Um, first of all, in the beginning, it, there was elements of it that were embarrassing and there was stuff that I thought was weird and it was awkward and, and then I went through the same stuff. Like I had, like I had the mother of meltdowns on my own photo shoot. Like I oh, mean, yeah, the mother right. of meltdowns on my own photo. Does shoot. that give you empathy? I mean, I fired one of the most talented, brilliant <laughs> photographers in this town 
on the morning of my shoot had my assistant do it. Like I, I had that. a full blown narcissistic <laughs> ranks up there with I don't you know, I don't know who are timber tantrum musicians. I mean I, I mean I do. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm right up there with the ranks of the cutest of them. <laughs> I mean I had a meltdown. A meltdown. How does that I mean, do you think that's that meltdown is giving you Oh, I, I'm so embarrassed of it. But I mean, empathy towards the people that you oh, de- shoot. Oh, no, definitely. No, yes and no. Like, as again, I got a big giant I mean, ego. Like, I'm up. not afraid to say that I have a big giant ego yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, I didn't. Um, I mean, I'm scared. Whenever you shoot us, I'm always, I'm always like, and you've only shot us photographs, I guess, two or th- two, maybe three times. You've done video I'm, before. Video is not as big of a deal because. <clears throat> Yeah, you're it's moving. all live video. Yeah, yeah. Or even live, live photography doesn't scare me as much. No, no, no. no. It's so, the standing and posing. It's just standing and posing. It's like, ah! That's it's why I don't necessarily. So that's hard. why I. I know. And so I felt, I mean, I felt like wanting so to have yes, the same So, yes, and no. Line. And at the same time, once I get back on the other side of the camera, I'm completely comfortable and confident again. And I expect everybody to step right up and trust me. Right. Like, exactly. so that's yes. what I'm asking. Yeah. No, like I'm an asshole like that. Like, <laughs> I should totally, I realize the correct answer for this would be no, like, no oh, I totally, like, but no, as soon as I'm on the back end of the camera, I'm like, yeah. you guys trust me. I tr- trust me. Yeah. Because I want them to trust me. Like, they should trust me. Like, I'm aware of that stuff. And yeah. I'm there for you, and you can tell me whatever it is, and whatever the deal is, and like, and you know when you feel that way about mm-hmm. something that you can't just, I mean, I guess I can be more empathetic to it, but at the same time, I just sort of really am like, trust me. Right. And I'm not going to let you down. And, and it sort of is like what I was saying earlier. I feel like because, and I think that those kinds of things have helped. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I am more part of some of these kinds of situations are what have made me aware of the fact that that is kind of the thing that I'm resonating with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. So your confidence level. Yeah, I am so aware of how it feels to be scared mm-hmm. or uh, uncomfortable about your body or how you look or your hair or your makeup or not. And I still struggle with that stuff. I mean, one of the reasons that I want to take the pole dancing classes, I mean, I still really would like to be sexier. I mean, I know I'm a hot babe, but like in my general maneuvering through life, I would like to be a little sexier. Like I'd like to be a little more sex kitten. I I mean, I still kind of barrel. I watch myself back on B-roll when I'm running around in front of the camera and I still sort of barrel around like, Get out the way! Here she goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I would like to refine that and bring it in and really accept the fact that I am just—I'm just a really pretty—I'm just a really pretty girl now. Yeah. And like, for my physical movements to mimic that. And so, I mean, I still am going through my own tail end of the whole metamorphosis to begin with. Yeah. And so, I just feel like I am hyper aware of people's insecurities. Do you know the, the John Lennon quote about, uh, I can't remember the, the exact quote, I should look it up before I say it out loud, but the, like, um, if you give me a tuba, I'll make art, I'm just an artist. It's like, it doesn't really, you know, you're talking about how you don't, you're not all that great. You know the shutter speeds and you know yeah. the aperture, but that's not the thing. A lot of us just kind of go at it and take a swing at it and like, no matter what we were doing, we'd make art with our lives. Right. But you gotta get the technical shit out of the way. You gotta be certainly enough proficient with the technical side of it to make it work. Oh, fuck yes. 
Like there also is a thing that like I'm not saying that I that I'm sloppy in my work. Yeah. Like I do understand lighting. Like I mean, I have my degree in commercial photography. Like right. I understand butterfly portrait split. I mean, I understand lighting techniques. I understand what they are, vignettes and Rembrandts. I mean, I know what all of that means and how to apply them and how to do them. Well, but I was, anyway. So I was gonna say I noticed this with your stuff and do you know Jack Stoddard, Hippie Jack? Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, he hasn't taken a picture in a long time. Like, he's kind of quit doing photographs. Right. But we played the festival about, what, a month ago or two or something like that. And he's wandering, he, and like, uh, he's, I see Hippie wandering around with, the, with an iPhone. And like, <coughs> two days later, he sends me this photograph. He just snapped of us with an iPhone. I'm like, what the fuck? How, I mean, like, for t- there's just something like... Well, and I, yeah, we've been we've been subjects in your epic selfies. Same thing. It's like, yeah, how the hell do you like, get a selfie that's better than lighting? I know, but I mean, like you and Jack face and the guys, light. But I mean, I can... people of Earth, <laughs> face the light. <laughs> face the light. Turn off your flashes and fucking find a source of light and face it. <laughs> Okay, it's that not... That is the trick. Okay, that's a good trick. There are rules that you follow in music. Right. You follow those rules in music because that's... And then you can do all kinds of shit within the confines of that. Like, right. I feel you like... Right, creative ways. Right, and I feel like it. art is the same way. Like, yeah. dance is the same way. There are certain steps that are dance that just sort of apply across the board. And there are certain. Yeah, I mean, that's part of being the... Painters, there are certain brush strokes, and they're applied no matter what kind of art you do. Like, that brush stroke exists. It just is. That's what it is, and that's... It, right. it is what it is. And then do something different with it. <coughs> Whatever, but... Right, to create something different, but the actual rules and stuff of it apply. You can't change physics. Yeah, and I, and, uh, and I, and so this is a lot of my problem, is that everybody thinks they're kick-ass photographers because it's sharp. Right. You know what I mean? Like, anymore, like, if it's in focus, well, you nailed it. You know what I mean? And, mm, right. Not really. Right. Mm. Yeah, but there's just like an... But with these, the ones I'm talking about... With I yours, got all in a fight with Lee Greenwood about this. Face the light. Face the light. I think face the light should be our um, our prompts prompt. for the for the month. Prompt. Yeah, face creative the light. Prompt. That's a good one. Face the light. Face the light. Yeah. There's there's the creative prompt. He wanted me to turn on the flash on his phone. I'm like I'm turning off the flash on his phone. He's like take the flash. I was like, I do not tell you how to sing. Do not tell me how to take a selfie. Lee Greenwood was telling you. Now that. turn around and face the light. All right, that leads perfectly into the next question I was going to ask. You got a name drop. Oh God! It's this will be ridiculous. fun. I know. Let's talk. Should about I just it. sort of just throw start throwing out names of different people? I've like yeah, briefly, if you want to, like, like what are we like running down like a like talk about like the Grace Slick thing? Or, oh and, God, she's um, so kick ass. Dolly, obviously. Yes, I have been incredibly blessed to work with and be around some of the most famous people in the history of Earth, and it is it's just a true fact. Yeah. And it's sometimes uncomfortable to talk about, but it's true. I've hung out with everybody from in Leonard Skinner and. Uh, Grace Slick and Bill Medley and uh, Don Everly and Dolly Parton and uh, uh, Dwayne Eddy and uh, I mean I don't even know Motley Crue, Speaking Pearl Jam, I don't even know where to... You have the fall tour poster. I got the tour poster. A photograph that you took at the yes, Ryman? at the Ryman. That's so... Not only gorgeous. that, but I'm going to say this. All of those photos from the Ryman they really are stunning, stunning fucking photographs because I was instructed to shoot my ass off because it counted that night. And I did. And it did count. And those pictures I shot with passion and purpose. 
and her, what's so flattering about it is like her whole camp is in love with them. They're beautiful like, photographs. Here, you want me to name drop? Okay. Yeah. T.G. Shepard called me one afternoon to tell me that he had run into Dolly Parton's manager at lunch, and the manager whipped out his phone and was like, look at this new picture of Dolly, and T.G. went, my friend Stacy took that picture, and he went, yeah, that's the girl! That's amazing. Like, wow. that's how much her camp is in love with the pictures, is that... That's so great. He's running around telling, pulling up screenshots and showing them to T.G. Shepard, so. Um, Journey, right? Didn't you do something with Journey? Oh, Journey Guy. Journey, yeah, Journey Guy, dude. okay. It's Journey Dude is what I called it. That was like early on? That was early on was Journey Dude was one of my first forays into famous people, yes. I remember the photograph of the Maserati Yeah, there was Nashville. a Maserati in East Nashville, and that was before, and he was over, uh, he lived over by the Holland House, but it was long before it was over by the Holland House. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Right. Like, it was like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't think the Holland House was there, like, I think yeah. it was Mas Tacos, like, but there was a dude in a wheelchair with a gun in his lap, like, mm -hmm. under his blanket. And Oprah's dad still cut hair over there on the co oh, catty right. corner from my house. Like, it was not, it was an urban neighborhood. Like, it was an urban neighborhood yeah. at the time. And he came over, yeah, and drove his Maserati. And my favorite part of that is that um, when I quoted him the price, he tried to, he tried to talk me down. And I was like, man, I go, you don't get to pull up to my $700 a month house in the ghetto in a Maserati and then try to talk me down on the price. Like, <laughs> Did you literally say that? Yes, totally. <laughs> Did he laugh? I mean, yes, and then my favorite part is when we looked out the window, he's like, is the car going to be safe? And I'm like, listen, man, you're the one who drove it over here. Like, <laughs> and it was just like the second time he'd been over, like he knew where I lived. because we did this with you over your right shoulder behind you I see your 5k um, color run yes and I mean so that so that's another thing that five years ago you didn't think that was that would be something that five years ago literally one of my mottos was I will run if I'm on fire <laughs> that was literally my motto five years ago I'll run if I'm on fire right and yes on June 20th I ran a 5k yeah, with three of my best friends on Earth. And how, like, how... Ran it, not, not like, ran stum it. Not I never stumbled stopped. it. I never stopped, yeah. I, I ran the whole thing. Passed yeah. up people and everything. Yeah, we passed people. Did some side cuts. And totally did. Ha, 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 ha. Totally ninja that yeah. shit. I mean, how Didn't does, even come near the How does back. training for something like that and, and accomplishing something like that... I mean, to some people that's not a huge deal, but... I think setting that goal and, and hitting it, and hitting it is. I mean, it, how, how does that apply to your business life? It changed life? everything. Literally, I came out of that, and that really has kind of been when that even that whole shift in my thinking about from the first time you asked me that question, when the article came out to now, I feel like doing that is part of that shift. Right. Like. Setting a goal to run a 5K, yeah, you're right. For people that run all the time and stuff like that, like it's no big deal. People that ran track in high school, anybody that understands running, like even for me now, when I hear people do a 5K, I'm kind of like, eh, I can do a 5K. But when you've never done something like that or you've never taken something on like that and it seems like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm going to do that. Like it's crazy. And I will say this. 
don't people shouldn't just go out and run a 5k because it'll kick your ass mm -hmm. like that's also not some bullshit race like mm -hmm. running a 5k is legitimate is a legitimate run like yeah. it's, it's over a long three miles. way you know what i mean yeah it's, it's a long way to run and if you've never done it you better fucking train for it and it was pretty apparent pretty quickly after I started training for it that I was, I never, like even that night, I remember when we ran it, like you were like, where do you hope to place? And I was like, what do you mean? Like time Like was. it had never dawned on me that it was actually a race. Like in my mind, like I just wanted to do it. I didn't really give a shit. Like I didn't even know what the hell you were talking about. Like I was like race and the idea of placing somewhere was so far removed from my mindset that I didn't even know what you meant by mm -hmm. that. Like it was literally about accomplishing something. And that, and for me, crossing that finish line had really almost zero to do with crossing the finish line. And there really was a part of me that, like as grateful as I was to have you guys all there and as much as it meant for you guys to show up and run with me and to have that support and that team, it felt incredible. When I crossed that line, it was so hard <laughs> to have the three of you there because for me, I, I didn't cross the finish line at the end of a 5K. I crossed a finish line at the end of three years. 10 years, really, if I'm honest, or 15, even if I'm honest, if I go way back. You know what I mean? Or even longer than that, like 40, whatever age I was at that point, like I crossed a finish line that represented that I had come out of a completely different thing and become a completely different human being than I ever thought I was capable of. And it made me realize that I can just sort of do anything that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Like if I can run a 5K, then I can take kickboxing classes or I can take uh, pole dancing classes or I can take up bicycling next spring or I can or I can launch a whole new phase of my career or right. I can whatever the hell it is I want to do. Like if I am the type of person who weighed 350 fucking pounds and joked about the fact that the only time I would ever even considering running was on fire and I became the kind of person that walked outside my door and rain or shine, ran up and down my street 37 times a day just so I could cross a finish line in the middle of the dark covered in glow sticks. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I, there's really not anything. I mean, it changed the way it changed everything. It changed the way I looked at everything in my life. And it kind of like was that photo shoot. It was kind of like that photo shoot with Amy. Like, it was the first time she looked at herself and was like, oh, I'm hot as shit. Like, yeah, you're hot as shit. Like, it was the first time I looked at myself and was like, oh, you're the kind of bitch that gets up off your ass and decides you're going to run a 5K and go runs a 5K. Okay. Then, And then how do you think about people that do that? Like, how do I view other people in the world? That if somebody says to me, I'm gonna go run a 5K. Have you run a 5K? No. And you're gonna just train for and run a 5K? Like, how do you view a person that does that and then runs a 5K? Like, what's your opinion of them? Well, I have no choice but to turn that opinion about on myself. Like, I'm not some special case or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I am now one of those people. And it changes the way you feel about yourself and it changes the way you feel about your art and about your craft. If you've accomplished some things, if you have set some goals and accomplished them, you are gonna have more confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. And, like, even if it's not about setting a goal to run a 5K, even if you set a goal to walk out your front door and run up your block one time, like if you do that, like if it's something as stupid as running up the block one time, like at the end of the night, at least when you lay down, you did one thing. And if you set a goal that's easy like that, and you're hopefully if you're somebody similar to like I am, and you're like, that was easy, I'm gonna go ahead and double it. When you lay down at the end of the night, like 
you feel better about yourself. You're going to sleep better. You're going to wake up in a better mood. Like if you can set some sort of little, tiny, achievable, if you can set some sort of achievable goal and it's for you, not a goal of I'm going to get the kids to school on time, I'm going to get that song written for so-and-so, or I'm going to get that thing out to that part. Like set some sort of goal that is for nobody else on earth but for you. And if, the, if you can hit it, like at the end of the day, you will feel better about yourself or have dying, yeah. done something. Big old thank you to Stacy Huckabee for sharing that really personal story with us. If you want to find out more about Stacy, you can go to her website. It's stacyhuckabee.com. And like she noted, it, it can be kind of hard to spell. It's S-T-A-C-I-E-H-U-C-K-E-B-A.com. <laughs> and if you go there, you can see all kinds of amazing shots. You can even see the Dolly Parton shot that we were talking about that she took. And we'll also link to that from our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wildponiesmusic. We'll put a link to Stacy's website there. You can find her at a bunch of other places, too, if you go to Huffington Post and look and find her blog there. It's always super interesting and insightful. We love what she does there, too. So check it out. Yeah. And if you want to find out more about us, you can go to www.wildponies.net and see what we're up to. Which is all kinds of crazy stuff. All kinds stuff. of crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget your prompts this month. Right. So so this month's prompt is face the light. So Face the light. We hope that inspires you to do something artistic and interesting, whether it's a photograph, a poem, a song, a dance, anything. A cocktail. And share it on Facebook with the hashtag uh, PonyCast, or you can share it on Twitter or wherever else. And last month's uh, prompt was Ghost in the Attic, and we had a few re- replies to that, and we're hoping that we might have e- even have a few more. If you're still thinking about something creative to do with Ghost in the Attic, you can do that as well. Yeah, just Combine because a new just because a new podcast is out doesn't mean you can't be inspired by the former prompt. It's all, right. all good. Whatever, whatever you're inspired by. So thanks again, y'all. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and click like and give us a review if you want to. And we'll see you soon. Yeah, take care.